Morning, everyone. Oh, we've just had panics because um, we were just trying to cast the service out and YouTube have changed the way that they do everything. And we tested it all uh, the other day and it all worked fine. And today we came to do it and it just went, yeah, no. Uh, but I think, we think it's going out live. So um, assuming it is, welcome to everybody watching as well. Um, this is the second week of Advent. Um, and it's great to be together. It was amazing how much I missed not being with you guys on a Sunday morning the last few weeks. Uh, despite the fact that we sit two meters apart, despite the fact that I can't tell whether you're grimacing at me because you're wearing a mask, except for Jan, you can always tell Jan's grimacing. <laughs> um, it is good to come together and it's good that the, the government, the Prime Minister has recognized the importance of worship and the importance of churches in this time. So we're going to make the best of today. We've got the privilege of meeting together, so let's do this full-heartedly. As we said last week, Advent means coming. It's the time we look forward to the coming of Jesus. And on each of the four Sundays of Advent, we light one of the candles on the Advent wreath. Each of the candles represents hope which we've lit. And hope is where we start the Advent season. Ensure certainty that Jesus is alive and Jesus changes lives. So we have hope lit. The other candles represent peace, joy and love. And this week we're going to light the second candle representing peace. For many of us this week has been filled with sad news. And it's in the context of that that we light this candle. Why do we light a candle of peace in a context of bad news? Well, in times of turmoil and of sadness, when we have a hope in Jesus, we can still be frustrated and angry at loss. We still have grief. And it's sometimes hard to comprehend love and joy in those circumstances until peace comes. Peace comes as the first part of accessing the fruit of our hope. So we light the second candle. And we read, God, you are our peace. Our peace when we put too much on our schedule. Our peace when we worry too much. Our peace during exams. Our peace when we can't buy any gifts. When the dinner is burning. Our peace when our children don't answer our calls. Our peace when we dump all our problems on you. 
our peace when the world around us dissolves in loss and anguish. Our peace that reminds us that you are our Father and we are your children. Our peace to quiet all the voices in our heads. Our peace from going crazy in the silence. You are our peace on earth, our mercy mild. Christ was born so we could be reconciled. You bring peace to the nations. Join with angels to proclaim that Christ will be born. Glory to God. Peace on earth. Let's join together in worship. We can't sing, but we can worship in every other way. We can stand, we can sit, but let's worship together. Now, within those three songs, you've probably got the whole. Hi, my name. I wasn't expecting that then. <laughs> Neither was Andrew, I don't think. <laughs> um, within those three songs, you've probably got most of the gospel. Okay? The birth of Christ. The fact that he chases after each one of you because he wants to see nobody unsaved. He wants to see nobody perish. And the fact that he's here with us all of the time. I could probably get home now. That'd be a short service. Um, last week, I used a picture of uh, the nativity, um, and my nativity play, uh, to talk about hope and to show that that, that all points to Jesus. Today, I still want to point to Jesus. Um, and I want to use another nativity play to pick up on this theme of peace. So uh, let's see if it'll play. Hi, my name's Joel. I'm the director of our church play, The Glory of Christmas. This is my 12th year. We're okay. Just the stained glass window. It's going great. Uh, the only thing that we lacked was uh, someone to play the role of Mary up until yesterday. But then I found her and she, she's perfect. I got the role of Mary because I'm 31 weeks pregnant. Yep, two kids in college and then surprise. We're just so, we're so full of joy. I can't act, Joel. There's no way I can sell this. No, 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 not true. Your audition was fantastic. How can it be me? How can I be highly flavored by God? Did I just say flavored? Why can't I stop talking about food? Uh, She's perfect. 
Oh, hey, you're you're Joseph. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm Heather. I play Mary. Your wife? Oh! Mm-hmm. I remember you. Oh? You played Bunko with my mom. You know, what is Bunko? Mm -mm. Nice to meet you. Mm -mm. You must mentally sink into her situation. Yes, yes. Go spend the night in a barn somewhere. The hay will trigger something deep within you. Sorry. Yeah, it'll trigger something. Trigger something that don't need a hand in histamine. Mm. This is good. I'm the least likely person to play Mary, let alone deliver the Son of God. I'm a middle-aged former soccer mom. And the truth is that this baby disrupted some pretty amazing plans we had for our lives. Things we've been looking forward to for years. Okay, Mary and Joseph, let's take it back to scene 11. Scene 11, please. Maybe that's how Mary felt. Maybe people stared, unsure of what to tell her. Maybe she doubted. Maybe she doubted, even though God told her not to fear. And then she trusted. She trusted, she trusted that what God was doing would bring the greatest kind of joy if she would just, just let go. Let go of her plans, her questions, and... There we go. Just let the good shepherd carry you. <laughs> let the good shepherd carry me. Christmas and, and the story within that video has a whole range of, of things to explore. But the central truth that the Good Shepherd not only can carry you, but also wants to carry you, is one of the most glorious parts of the greatest story ever told. Jesus described in the pages of John's Gospel as the Good Shepherd is more than able to carry the weight that may be pressing on your shoulders during this Christmas season. And the word weight is an appropriate one when we're talking about Christmas. See, for some people, Christmas becomes really heavy when it shouldn't be. When really, it should be glorious. The Hebrew word for glory is kavod, or kavod, as it's supposed to be pronounced. And kavod not only means glory, but it means weight. Weight as in heavy. Some of you will remember, if you've, you've been around the block for a while, that we would sometimes sing of God's heavy glory. There's a song by Godfrey Bertel called Looking for Your Presence. We, we would sing as, as part of, the, of the, uh, one of the choruses that uh, 
we would say, can your heavy glory, can your heavy glory rest on me? Which in the Hebrew would be, can your kavod kavod rest on me? Which sounds a bit odd, but you know, to be honest, if it's good enough for New York, New York, it's good enough for this song. With that in mind, the glory of Christmas takes on a weightiness. This time of year, though, can get tangled up in superficial commercialization. We can get caught up in the trappings and the, the rituals, not, not the, the church rituals, although they're not always so good, but the rituals of, well, we've got to have fish and chips on Christmas Eve, and then we've got to boil a ham, and then we've got to, got to have turkey, we've got to have, and so on. And we miss that at the centre of Christmas is a weightiness of a different kind, an importance, a deference, a respect that is filled to overflowing with honour and majesty, where kavod, the weight, the glory is. If we're not careful, an unnecessary and undesirable weight around the unhealthy Christmas expectations can begin to slump on our shoulders and suffocate our souls. Who's not finished their Christmas shopping yet? Who's not started their Christmas shopping yet? Who's not written their cards? Oh, what if I didn't live? Do I need to send one to Mrs. Miggins? Because I'm sure she sent me one last year, but I can't remember. What will they think if I miss them? All of that starts to build up. We find ourselves feeling pressed to get everything done, from decorating to shopping to baking to figuring out how to see everybody in, in a way that leaves family and friends feeling satisfied. Satisfied with the amount of time we can give them, or even the amount of virtual time we can give them at the moment. Time that everybody will be able to enjoy. There can be feelings that so much to do with not enough time or money to get it all done. And when we feel that weight of Christmas, we're in danger of missing out on the true glory of it. Yet, yeah, the Good Shepherd can carry us through this season of Advent. And he wants to carry you. And he wants to do that in a way that allows your life to experience the needed and meaningful hope, peace, joy and love that we remember in those candles. For you to encounter those memorable themes that add up to the true weightiness, the, the significance, the glory of the season, it's about changing your plans. It's about changing from your plans to his plans. The 31-year-old pregnant Mary in the video certainly had her plans for life altered. When her and her husband found out she was pregnant with two in university and then one in the womb, her plans for the life that she'd intended 
to unfold in front of her were gone. Maybe she was expecting to, I don't know, fill the empty time with travel or to reallocate some of the freed up money from paying for school transport and school lunches and uniforms to, to redecorate in the house now that the kids were gone. Whatever our Mary's plans may have been, coupling university fees with nappies and sleepless nights was certainly not in the mix. Perhaps the weight of considering how her previous plans were having to pivot caused her knees to buckle a bit. And yet God reminds us in the Bible that he knows a thing or two about the plans for our lives. And this is part of the secret of peace. God wants to remind us in the Bible that this Christmas is a time to let the heaviness of your circumstances be replaced by the truth of his words. His words concerning the plans he has for your life. We read in the Bible, it says, fear not. When Mary is told of the unfolding plans for her, to bear God's Son. And those words need to echo into some of our hearts today. Fear not. Because just like at that first Christmas, God wants to set something in motion that brings something fresh from him to you. Luke 2.19 says, But Mary was treasuring all the things in her heart and meditating on them. God reminds each of us that no matter what the weight of your circumstances, plan for you is good. And you need to meditate on these next few things. Store them up. Come back to them. Jeremiah tells us, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God wants to remind each of you that he has a plan for you that's personal. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all the ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Hear that. It doesn't say you will make the people around you's path straight. It doesn't say you'll make other people's path straight. The people down the road that's causing you a problem path straight. It says you'll make your path straight if you know him. God reminds you that you may not see the bigger picture, but he does. Romans 8, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God understands that while you may not like the season you are in, there is something further ahead that is good. The best is yet to come. And you know, God is inviting you to be part of that bigger plan. He's not inviting you to, to, to sort of 
Invest in it in the way that you would invest in a business proposition. He's asking you to do something completely different. He's asking you to stop striving and let the good shepherd carry you. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Let the good shepherd guide you. Let him take you in the path that is right for you. And you know, when you do that, all the plans that you've had that are falling apart, they don't matter because the plan that God's got for you will prevail. Proverbs 19, many plans are in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's decree that will prevail. And in God's plans are experiences you could never imagine and richness of life you cannot conceive. Corinthians tells us, but it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has con conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. He reminds you, each and every one of you, that his plans are backed by his strength. They're not reliant on your strength or your skill or your perseverance. The Lord of armies, it says in Isaiah, has sworn, as I have purposed, so it will be. As I have planned it, so it will happen. And God reminds you, and we sang in the song earlier, we sang in, in reckless love, God reminds you that he chose you for where you are, for what you are doing, and he chose you as his child. When you didn't even want to know, he still loved you. When you actively turned your back and said, I, I don't want this, he loved you. He chases after you because he wants you to know him. He wants you to be a child of his and a co-worker in Christ as someone that can not only know hope and peace and love and joy, but as somebody that can speak that with confidence into the lives of others. And what gives us that confidence? The fact that when God chooses us, and when the Good Shepherd carries us, we can see those things in our lives. You know, each of you were chosen for this place, for this time. You were chosen before you were formed in the womb. You were set apart before you were born. As Jeremiah 51 continues, you were appointed as a prophet to the nations. You know, God has this pattern of sharing his intentions for planning things into our lives that may be different than we sometimes plan out in our minds. And it's not wrong for us to plan. As a wise person once said, you have to have a plan so you know when you can deviate from it. Knowing God, listening to his voice, letting yourself be carried is what lets you know when to deviate. God doesn't do it all for us. 
You are not going to lay in the bed in the morning and God get you up. You are not going to lay in bed in the morning and God get you up and put your clothes on and make your breakfast. That's not the way it works. They're the plans we have. But when God says to you, I want you to go to this place and be this person, and I've set you there already to be a prophet to the nations. What do I mean by a prophet to the nations? You're not going to stand there and tell Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Johnson. Gosh, how can you forget the Prime Minister's name? You're not going to be there telling you to repent and the country's got to turn around. Well, if you are, good luck to you because I think that that would be an amazing thing for us to, to do to our country. But I don't think that's what this means. What this means is being a prophet to the nations in where you are, speaking that into people's lives that, yeah, it might be a bit rubbish at the moment. Yeah, there might be some restrictions. Yeah, we might not be able to have Christmas as we want to do. Yes, we might have to come to church and wear a mask. Yes, we can't visit all the people we want to do. Yes, it, sadly, people are not surviving coronavirus. But God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And God doesn't want to see tears. And God doesn't want to see suffering. And God doesn't want to see people lost. That is being a prophet to the nation. When we can meet together again, when the lockdown restrictions drop, making somebody a cup of coffee is being a prophet to the nations. Bringing somebody into your home and saying, do you know what, just come and talk to me. I'm not going to tell you, I'll, I'll listen. That's being a prophet to the nations. And that is what God is calling us to be. The good shepherd desires to carry you through the changing plans and the different seasons of your life. But these are the important questions. Will you let him? Will you choose to trust him? Will you choose to take a breath? Will you choose to stop the hustle and the bustle of today and wait on him? Will you choose to notice the glory of Christmas by looking at Jesus and his birth story with fresh eyes and a lighter heart this season? Will you let peace start to reign in your lives? Somebody we know wrote this, and I've shortened it and changed it a little bit just to make it fit the space. Something I've been told in the past, with all good intentions, is that God will never give me more than I can handle. In the times when I felt my life spiraling out of control in the depths of depression, feeling like life isn't worth living, feeling like I can't escape and struggling to cope with all that life has dealt me, that sentence never felt as comforting as I needed it to be. I was drawn to a verse that made it a little bit clearer for me. Actually, it is sort of true. God will never give us more than we can handle, as long as we're handling it with him. How many times have we found ourselves struggling and thought, it's okay, God won't give me more than I can cope with, I can do this, to then only fail, Actually, what we need to be reminded of is whatever difficulties we face, with God's help, we can endure it. 1 Corinthians says, No temptation has seized you that isn't common to people. But God is faithful. 
He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you are able to endure it. Resting in God's peace is not thinking life is going to be fine if I work harder. Resting in God's peace is letting the good shepherd pick us up and carry us. You can do anything with God with you. I liken being in God's peace to being in a house in a storm. I don't know if you like me, but I love it. I actually like even in a tent or a caravan. Sometimes that's even better. But, but you're safe, you're warm, you're snug, and all around you, nature is breaking loose. The wind, the lightning, the rain. But you are sitting there, comfortable and dry and warm. That is what living in God's peace is to me. The chaos will still be all around us. But peace reigns within. And you know when it does, what I generally find then is that the chaos stops. If we read in Matthew, we read of, we read of uh, Jesus being asleep on a boat. And it says, suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Jesus brought peace first. Don't be afraid. Then he changed the circumstance. Trust is the word. Trust that when the good shepherd carries us, things will change. You can rest in an assurance that that is true not only in the stories of the Bible, but in my experience and the experience of others. part of Advent, it's right that we read part of the story. So I'm going to read from Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. She was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what time of greeting this could be. The angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And considering your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her, in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you've said. Then the angel left. We've heard of a 31-year-old actor playing Mary's life being turned upside down. This was a young girl whose life plans would change the day. The angel of the Lord encountered her and set a new set of plans that led to the glory of the first Christmas in a Bethlehem stable. You know, Mary had two choices. She could, chat, she could tarry and worry, or she could trust and wait on the Lord. She could trust and wait that over the next nine months that it would come to fulfillment, that his plans would carry her into motherhood. Mary chose to trust and wait. She chose to let God carry her through upcoming days of uncertainty. Questions from society about her character. Hardships on her husband, who also would need some time to process this new change of plans. And as the weight of all these circumstances mounted, God's glory came into the world right on time, just as he planned, bringing peace. The Apostle Paul says it like this in one of his letters. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption of sons. Such a promise and a plan from God was weighty and glorious beyond all scales of measurement. God chose to invoke the plans of salvation by divine conception through the life of a young Jewish girl who was yet to experience motherhood. Plans that were formed at the beginning of time. Plans that saw these events unfold. Plans that let this girl, who was entrusted to grow God's glory in human form, and give birth to a fully divine, but fully clothed in humanity baby. Plans to let her do that. Only God could come up with such an outrageous plan. An outrageous plan that would lead to all who call on the name of Jesus to be saved from their sins. But not only saved, adopted into God's family. A plan that would reveal the true glory and weight 
of this time. What kind of God would come up with family planning like that? What kind of God would turn a young girl's life upside down to bear his son? What kind of God would turn the life of a 30-year-old soccer mum's life upside down to change their lives? Simple. A God that sees the bigger picture. A God that is eternal. A God that is all-powerful. But a God that is so intrinsically interested in you that he will move mountains to let you live in his presence. As crazy as those plans may have seemed, there were plans for wellness. There were plans for good. There were plans to give a hope and a future. And that future includes a capacity to experience and enjoy the glory of Christmas and be filled with his peace. I love that picture up there because they're definitely journeying. The shepherds are looking to find the baby Jesus. But in doing so, they're traveling from the heaviness of the day-to-day -day world to the glory that is in him. Let's pray. Lord, please put your peace in my heart. I'm worried and anxious. My mind races and obsesses. I can't help thinking about my problems. And the more I think about them, the more depressed I come. I feel like I'm sinking down in quicksand and can't get out. Calm me, Lord. Slow me down. Put your peace in my heart. I know that no matter what problem I have, you are bigger. You are more powerful than it is. So I bring it to you. I know what I want. I know my will. But Lord, I don't know yours. Reveal to me your will. I do not know what you plan to use my salvation for. But I do know your plan is good. And your plan will work out no matter what events surround me. But Lord, I choose to trust you. I trust your goodness and your wisdom. I choose to place myself in your hands. I choose to let the good shepherd carry me. But please fill my heart with Everyone said, Amen.
this Christmas, it's going to be different. But at the very heart of it, there's something that has been celebrated for over 2,000 years. Recognising a God that's been there since before the beginning of time. And a God that is present in the here and the now. And wants to give you his peace. I pray for each of you. I pray that this week you will know that peace. That you will focus on the hope that is in the name of Jesus. That the peace that is given by God leading you through life by directing your steps in the certainty that his plan will prevail. I pray that that floods your hearts and your homes. And I pray that you have the opportunity to speak to others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And because we're in tier three, there's no socialising. It's just leave, I'm afraid. But we look forward to seeing some of you on Zoom tonight and um, for prayer. And we've got um, midweek group this, this week. Until then, God bless you.